and welcome back to the Who's He podcast. Uh, this is me, Phil, and joining me today we have a very special guest from Goonpod. It is Tyler Adams. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hello, Phil. Thank you for having me. Ah, yes, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Now, um, people might be wondering uh, why we've got some from uh, something called the Goon Pod, which is a podcast about the Goon Show. This is you're not so Doctor Who related whatsoever, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to think. Actually, um, I'm trying to think if there's any Goon stroke Doctor Who crossover or connection at all. Ah. Um, I know the Telegoons. Well, the Telegoons began in, in October '63, so that was what a month before. Who started? Is that right? It was yes, because that was no, uh, yeah, November '63. Tw- uh, yeah, who started? Yeah, yeah. It was actually on the same evening, wasn't it? When it was, uh, when was it before or after Doctor Who Telegoons? I can't, I can't remember now. I think it was before. Oh, I think it was. Oh, I don't know. Yes, it was a Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday evening. So it yes. was before. Yes. yes. Yes, it was. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, actually, that there is one other um, goon linked to Doctor Who, and it's it's very tenuous. Actually, it's actually Michael Bentine's. It's a Square World. Oh, and there of course. Was, yeah. Yes. You remember that mm-hmm. one with Clive Dunn um, dressed? And apparently, it was actually William Hartnell's costume that he was wearing. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. and 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 I've just thought of another one, um, oh, which 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 is which is goon adjacent, in as much as Peter Sellers appeared in a film called The Mouse That Roared, with in, William Hartnell, with William yes. Hartnell in fifty eight, fifty nine, indeed. And of course, let's not forget Spike Milligan's Dalek sketch from Q as well. <laughs> yeah, well, well, let's move on from that. Yeah, let's move on. But there you are. <laughs> Actually, there's, there's plenty of links to uh, to Doctor yeah. Who. There you are. There you are. Um, so, really, uh, Tyler, you're you're not what, what I would call a Doctor Who fan, really, are you? You've you sort of dipped your toes in the water, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I <laughs> I, I was born in '74, so I'm now clinging on to being 47 still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really only saw my first full episode of Doctor Who about two three years ago wow um, okay yeah i i i i'd not yeah I, I hesitate to say i deliberately set out to avoid it for the first my first sort of 45 years of life it just never it, it, it just never i was never one for for telly fantasy for sci-fi for for anything like that particularly that had never appealed to me the only thing i used to watch when i was a kid in the late 70s early 80s that i do remember enjoying was sapphire and steel ah yes classic yeah yeah i i, I remember enjoying that uh I, although i think i like the feet theme music most <laughs> uh, or, the, or the beginning bit you know when it does that does that very sonorous toned man going all the elements oh gold, yes copper lead whatever <laughs> I, I enjoyed that another one as well which, yeah. Jet. yes it was very dramatic it was yeah. um but but so so no i i, I sort of I, I just didn't, I just, it just never appealed to me. And then I've, I've become over the years, very good friends with um, some, a couple of guys who, uh, who themselves uh, are regular, well, have been regular podcasters. And um, one of their podcasts, which is um, uh, cryptically titled Jaffa Cakes for Proust. It, it, it's, it's a remit as to sort of examine old, mainly sort of older British films, um, pop culture, television, 
um, in a in a very sort of analytical way, but you know, mm. analytical yet entertaining way. Okay. Yes. yes. And off the back of you know, I, I I know these guys well now, very well. And one of them um, is a is a is a is a Doctor Who enthusiast, mm-hmm. um, but very much very much one for the sort of the classic Doctor Who in the sense that you know not not the not the reboot Doctor Who of the 21st century more the sort yeah. of 63 to what 89 was it um yes, yeah what they call now the, the classic era as they call it now yeah yeah so and and of that period he he kind of tolerates um John Pertwee onwards but that's about it I think it's fair you know he, okay. he, I, I know he quite likes Colin Baker um but he's he's very much um, um, a champion for William Hartnell and for Patrick mm. Troughton. And William Hartnell, he described to me. We it, very often we would you know have conversations, and he would he would describe to me about um, the fact that William Hartnell was he felt the most the purest um, embodiment of the Doctor. Okay, mm-hmm. and over the years, I know he he kind of because because he you know there's three 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 of us who were sort of. Well, me and another guy who was sort of resistant for the longest time. And he kept sort of like, you know, let's watch some Doctor Who sometime. Let's watch a Doctor Who. And in the end, I said, okay, we'll give it a go. Open-minded. Because he said, he said, I think you'll like a lot of it because you'll like the historical stories. And, you know, and there's quite a few of them in the Hartnell era. He said, I yes, think you'll like right. them. Yeah. And so what he did was he kind of um, eased me in gently. So I, I uh, the first story that i saw was was the one we're going to discuss tonight which to me was perfect because although it does have fantastical elements obviously mm. um it it it's set in well at that time you know modern day britain and yes uh, and and didn't have um men dressed up in um giant bumblebee outfits and things like that you know <laughs> <laughs> um, you've seen the web planet then yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then so so yeah so i don't want to go on too too much about this but yeah so so then uh i proceeded to watch all the existing um hartnell episodes um from series two onwards uh so i've seen quite a number um Mm. and 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 this one that we're going to talk about today is a is a particular favorite although i think the one that appealed to me the most was the one with um peter butterworth uh, ah, the, the time, time meddler. Time yeah. meddler. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that, that is a very, very good story, actually, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the... Um, it's also kind of a, a little bit of a, a first. And funnily enough, the, one, the story we're going to discuss um, a bit later, Planet of Giants, that's also got a couple of um, firsts in it as well, actually, um, which we'll come on to. But but yeah, Time Meddler, because uh, that was the, the first time you saw any someone else from the Doctor's race. Um which was and someone else with, with with another TARDIS as well. So that was um Oh and, yeah. Again, yeah, mm. so it kind of sort of built on the the whole myth of where the Doctor came from. And you know, other people from his race weren't like that either. They had their own motives or or um outlooks on on time travel and on, and meddling in in his case as well. So it was uh, yeah that's it's actually a very, very good story. Um and fair enough also directed by the person who part directed Planet of Giants as well, Douglas Canfield. Um, okay. Will, yeah, who's uh, got a very, very, very good reputation um, in, in Doctor Who circles. 
really has. But, yeah, uh, and and I and I, and I <clears throat> again, I might alienate or or annoy a few of your listeners by saying this, but I'm quite glad. Can I say this now? Yeah, I'll say this now. Um, I'm no. quite glad that we started watching from series two because we only had Planet of Giants and then the next story um, with Susan because I was glad to see the back of Susan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you know what? I, th- I think Caroline Ford was glad to see the back of Susan. So. <laughs> yeah, my memory, of, um, my memory of, um, of the Dalek one, that was Dalek Invasion Earth, isn't it? The, yes, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. My, my my memory of her departure because I haven't seen it for a couple of years was that basically <clears throat> um, the doctor didn't give her any choice in the matter. He basically just said, "Right, you're, you're staying here with your boyfriend," and um, uh, and I think she was left with one shoe or something as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> one yeah. shoe and a bloke she's just met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, have, have you? seen an unearthly child you have have you seen that the very sorry first? yeah he i did you watch the first that. one yeah yeah i did yeah so if you see that then you'll you see how the uh particularly now that is there's the thing have you seen the pilot episode of that which is a completely different take of um of what was actually televised because I the the don't know. Yeah, you don't know okay because the the unearthly child. It's Susan is the unearthly child of the um, of the title of it for obvious, obvious reasons. Yeah, mm. but in the pilot, she is more unearthly. She's not um, like a nineteen sixties teenager as basically what she becomes over the course of time. Uh, she she is there. That's why Barbara and Ian pick up on her because this she says things that they just find odd and she behaves strangely um, as well. Right. Um, right. And the doctor as well is a lot more abrasive, even more abrasive, um, <laughs> than he is at the beginning. Um, in, in fact, he's, he's almost like downright nasty in in the first episode. Um, and they refilmed it, which is unheard of with, for the BBC at the time, uh, to actually remount an entire episode and film right. it again and make, and make wholesale changes to basically soften the character of the doctor. Um, and then also toned down the weirdness of Susan Foreman as well. Okay, was that um, <clears throat> was that? Am I right in saying that the first episode went out or was due to go out when Kennedy was shot? Yes, that's right. That's right. Did that play any part in it being re uh, re restaged, remade? Well, it, it was actually re it was reshown again, which was um, unheard of, really. Because it was time then they they basically it was like one take really you were very very lucky if they could do another take so that's why um, the hardware is full of what they we, Doctor Who fans now to refer to loving these Billy fluffs because he was always fluffing his lines um, right I, I, I because towards <clears throat> the end of his his tenure he was quite ill anyway so that that, that um, vascular disease that he had basically affected his memory yeah so. Um, but that that was from almost like day one. So even things like he used to call like um, Chesterton Chesterfield. Yes, and, I picked and, up on that. Mm. Yeah, um, and I think at the beginning it was a genuine mistake, but I think they sort of built that into the into the scripts a bit later on, just to sort of um, 
play up the sort of maybe the sort of not not so much the absent-minded um, aspect of the first Doctor, but almost like he, he just didn't really um, remember people's names was sort of almost above him, kind of thing, or below him. Yes. Sorry, I should say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So um, that sort of avuncular, dotty, uh, slightly eccentric um, older man. Yeah. So that that's that's what it wanted. They wanted to sort of turn it into. Really, that, that's why they cast him, really, or sold it to him, Hartnell, that particular. Because he was, I mean, he was a big, you know, British movie actor, William Hartnell. Um, well, yeah, I mean, aside from The Mouse That Roared, I <clears throat> I chiefly know him from um, the the various Sergeant Major roles that he sort of assayed in the 50s. Yeah. But also he played a fantastic villain um, in uh, Hell Drivers with Stanley yes. Baker. That's right, yeah. Um, and it's him and uh, Patrick McGowan in cahoots, essentially. Um, mm. And um, and he, he beats a very grisly end at the end of that film. Um, but he's yeah, got... Yeah, that's quite, he, that's quite a tough film for its day, isn't it? It is, it is. And he's got yeah. what my friend Tilt... He's got what my friend Tilt describes as snake eyes in that mm. in that film. I can see that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, of course, he was... Um... Was it Brighton Rock was the other film he was oh, famous yeah. for as well, wasn't he? Um, yes. And wasn't he, or was it It's a Sporting Life? I've not seen that, but yes, that brings a bell. That Didn't he play quite... the rugby coach or something, the team rugby coach? Possibly. It's Possibly. been years since I've seen that It's a Sporting Life, so yeah, I really can't, I really can't remember. But uh, yeah, so that this kind of character for him, the Doctor, it was a, yeah, it was a, Different. It was different for him. It really was. But uh, yeah, a lot of people don't like the Heart of the Wearer at all. Funnily fun enough, they, they they find him too, as a, as I said, too abrasive. I think well, a lot of people. Doctor Who started with Patrick Troughton. Yeah, well, because I've only well, I have only seen Hartnell. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I tell a lie. <laughs> I tell a lie. Okay, I Stop. say this. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said I've only ever seen William Hartnell. Um, last week was it last week yeah um via um skype and 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 uh trickery um myself and, and friends watched a colin baker um oh two, okay two-parter um and you're gonna ask me what it was called now and it was the one with <laughs> martin jarvis um and and very slow. Oh, uh, moving... Vengeance on Varos. That's the one, Varos. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, and I and I didn't take to that. I didn't warm to that at all uh, as much as I warmed to to many of the Hartnell stories that I've seen. Yeah, um, I, I can I can understand that because to be honest, that was the point in my life where I started to switch off from Doctor Who during the Colin Baker era. Um, right. It was nothing to do with Colin Baker himself. I think I, I, was, I was just beginning to grow out of Doctor Who, really. Um, I was a teenager. I was I was discovering other things to, to do mm. at that point in my life. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of sort of drifted in, in and out of his of his tenure. And then Sylvester McCoy, I hardly saw any of it at the time. I, I, was, just, I was just completely disconnected with it. Totally. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it's. Well, uh... Yeah, because because I because <clears throat> where I grew up, we got when Doctor Who was on the TV all the time. I wasn't I wasn't I didn't grow up in this country, hmm. but I 
I was I was smack bang in the Tom Baker era. I mean, Tom Baker. I remember watching Tom Baker bits. Sorry, I'll rephrase it. Watching Tom <laughs> Baker's bits. Um, <clears throat> I remember watching bits here and there of the Tom Baker series with Ad- Adric. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. But never sat. I never sat down and watched full episodes or anything. But I tell you what, I did watch when I was whatever um, five or six, whenever it came out. Uh, Canine and Company. I watched that. <laughs> I love oh, that. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, that. That is a strange, um, a strange story. That one. Um, we, we we did an audio commentary for it many many years ago now, um, which we had a lot of fun with um, actually. But yeah, it's very strange. It's 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 like a almost like a supernatural witchcraft story with canine chucked into the mix, um, and in certain points, it's not entirely sure whether they're taking this. There is one scene where they think, well something supernatural is happening here um and then it turns out it's not uh, it, it's very very it's a strange story um but it well, was a big hit it was a massive hit yeah um which unfortunately it never went to series because at that time they had a change of management at the bbc and they just and the new bloke just decided well i'm not making it and that was it that was the end of canine company oh so what hang on so you're saying it wasn't a series it was a one-off it was a one-off was it? it was yeah uh, yeah and it, it was successful enough to go to series um, but then they, so this new um, controller of BBC just said, changed his mind, said, no, we're not, we're not going to make it. And that was oh, it. Oh, that's so freaky. It was, that's, yeah, one off. I'm suffering from false memory syndrome there because I had it in my head that it was a, a weekly series, a kid's no. weekly series. Um, no, obviously, no. Obviously, it's stuck in my mind. Well, so many years later, um, hmm. you had the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, which didn't actually feature a lot of canine um because the the guys who held the rights it was bob martin i think it was the only one still alive um not dave martin it was bob baker sorry it's bob baker and dave martin bob martin is a uh, bob martin is for dogs to eat um canine uh, mm. <laughs> yeah canine to eat um yeah it's um <clears throat> now bob baker he held because he wanted to make his own series canine series which was actually made in australia and he was des- desperately trying to get a film off the ground with canine um, as well, featured another character he created for Doctor Who, Omega, um, as well. So, um, which never came to anything, unfortunately. But they completely redesigned K Nine, and yeah, it looked like um, yeah, it, it didn't look anything like K Nine anymore. Put it that way. So. And what what year was that? Um, that would have been in the sort of mid. It was after Doctor Who came back, so it was sort of the mid mid two thousands. Right, really, when, okay. it, when it came back okay. again. Okay. Yeah. So right. Uh, okay. Well, I would yeah. have liked K nine. I would have liked K nine around the early eighties, anyway, because I was mad about uh, Metal Mickey, <laughs> which was another television <laughs> robot. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, I used to watch that. Mickey Do- Mickey Dolans of all people was responsible mm, for that, wasn't he? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strange. Very strange. But uh, okay, so let's. Um... So let's 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 crack on with Planet of the Giants then, because so this is the one you the story you watched the most, isn't it? Y- yes, um, <clears throat> because um, I watched it twice. I watched it obviously <clears throat> the first time and yep. enjoyed it, and then I watched it again a few weeks later. I don't know why I did. I just wanted to, and then um, we did actually record a podcast episode about it. Um, hmm. Uh, and it and it still 
the, the plan is to um it, it, my friend his plan is to at some point put out like a, a a strand of the podcast which is about me watching the heart all the hartnells okay um mm. but that began about what two three years ago and we've just put one out and that was three years ago <laughs> or two years ago which was playing right. out of giants um and um so yeah so i've watched it about three times and it's very fresh in my mind even even now um but um but you know i i will obviously talk about stuff that i haven't covered already we're approaching a planet which one? You should soon see. Ow! What's the matter, my dear? Get myself in Oh, something overheating here. Just as where we're landing. Susan, check the fault decator, please. Gonna, we're not going to blow up or anything, are we? No, 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 of course not. It's just, well, there we were in the late 18th century. And I tried another frequency to sidestep the ship back into the middle Now, this one was um, the <clears> opening <throat> story to the um, William Hartnell's second season. Um, as the Doctor. Um, the first episode aired on the 31st of October 1964. Um, now, this was originally meant to be a four-part story. Which I'm, I, I, Were you aware of that? Yes, yes. You so were, yes. I, I yes. believe that they, they felt it was a bit slow and it needed, a bit pace, needed to be a bit pacier. Yes, indeed. Um, now, usually for th- things like this, it's usually because they, they've run out of money or the, or the script didn't work out. So that's why they usually sort of used to um, invariably with Doctor, they, they will cut the story um, in half, or they would pad it out just to make sort of make ends meet, really. So, because some of the stories, you, there is definite definite padding. Um, obviously, this one there isn't because it's been cut down to down to three parts. To be honest, I, I can. It's a weird story to kick off a new season with, actually, and I, I think they wanted to swap things around and kick off with Dalek Invasion of Earth because that was the, the height of Dalek mania um, in the UK at the time. And yeah. But because of the way it led directly from Reign of Terror, which ended season one, um, they couldn't swap the stories around, so they had to go with Planet of Giants. Yes, yeah, so I think it was Donald Wilson who was the um, head of... I think he's head of serials, I think his title was, um, back in the day. And... Um, yeah, he decided that let's merge episodes three and four together. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll come on to that. But the um, so what what is it about this this story you sort of particularly wanted to, to talk about? To say because not a lot happens. There's a lot of climbing up things, a lot of exposition. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, was a, it, it 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 was good. Yeah, I think the fact that not a lot happens was useful because it was it was a good way to sort of ease me in, as I say. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I got to know the characters. To a degree, mm-hmm. um, and I was res- I was really impressed. I mean, there were some visual effects which were a bit gnarly. Um, there's there's a bit where um, is it? Who's the the scientist that gets shot by Forrester? Um, is it Pharaoh? Pharaoh. Yeah. And I think it's Pharaoh. Is is there's there's, there's like a, a photograph of him lying <laughs> on the ground that's that's like uh, projected onto a huge screen. And um, is it William? Um, Russell, uh, yes, Ian, it is. Yeah, um, <clears throat> walks up to it, and 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 the 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 effect is meant it's meant to convey is that um, uh, little tiny one inch high Ian is is standing next to this dead, large dead giant corpse, but it just looks like, um, it just looks like, you know, a, <laughs> a really really poor effect, um, and and there's a few sort of similar effects like that but what i was impressed by was the actual props 
was the you know things like the um the ant and the fly and the huge massive sink and things like that i just thought knowing you know very little but what i what i'd learned was that you know they were on a very tight budget and i just thought for the the fact they were you know they 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 were obviously sort of under the cosh when it came to bringing things in on time and you know un, uh, under budget the props guys really really um you know uh, uh pulled it off fantastically oh god yeah i mean the amount of times they you know so some some sort of the effects you know as, as we all know works better than than others and i think that this is an occasion where the, the sets were really very well put together uh as well and also there wasn't a lot of you basically just had that and a lot of it was just sort of like black drapes in the you know in the backgrounds um which I think was quite an effective way of making it seem that they were smaller than they really were. Um, because I think if you try to have lots of sort of stuff in the background, not extra props and, and everything, um, maybe it wouldn't have they wouldn't have pulled it off quite so well. So I think mm. keeping it to a keeping it to a minimum and that the the way it was shot was fairly tight as well. It, it, that for once they played to its strengths because Doctor Who has got a reputation of being overly lit a lot of the time. Um, which okay. ruins the effect uh, or shows okay. up its shortcomings, put it that way. Um, but I think this, on this occasion, I think they got it fairly spot on, to be honest. I really do. Yeah. And as I say, it was it was easy to follow what was going on. Yeah. Um, I was quite surprised because, you know, I knew the time that it would have gone out, which was what, tea time on a Saturday evening in, mm. in, in 64. Yeah. I, I was mildly surprised that there was a murder in it quite a cold-blooded yes. murder as well yeah well i know which you don't actually see but when they that's the thing when they um what is it when uh what's the other scientist it's smithers smithers um, yes smithers yes which, which isn't which is a character name that has been ruined by the simpsons you can't use that anymore you can't you can't it's exactly it's immediately what i thought of yeah um yeah, it's uh, when he sort of rolls Pharaoh's body up, you can quite clearly see the the, the, the bullet wound and, and the blood on his shirt as well. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, that's sort of pretty unheard of for, for TV. Well, I was going to say TV of, of the 60s, but Doctor Who's always been fairly sort of bloodless. And when it has depicted blood, it's got into trouble because it's put on, it was put on a Saturday tea time where kids are watching. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that was quiet for its day. Um, that was quite um, sort of quite unusual. It really was. But uh, so you say you, you you got into the characters with with, with this one. I mean, what I mean, a lot of people, as, as I said earlier, a lot of people struggle with 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 Hartnell's Doctor. What was it about it, his sort of characterization that you sort of sort of <clears throat> kind of kind of clicked with? He seemed he he, he seemed slightly irritable. Mm. Um, which I'd been prepared for because I'd, I'd, I'd gone into this with a bit of f- foreknowledge in the sense I'd been I'd been told about the fact, like you, you said earlier, his sort of earliest appearances, he was quite always quite aggressive, or, or very abrasive, a character. Mm. Yeah. Um, but 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 by this, and I haven't seen any of the other series one episodes, so I can't really comment, but. You know, he he he's he's quite um, matter of fact. Um, it's clear that you know he's got a lot of affection, or well, I say a lot of affection. The implication is that you know he sort of tolerates 
the the younger people around him but it's clear that he does have that affection and obviously susan is his granddaughter isn't she yes Um, that's right yeah but i was more i was more struck by ian and ian to me on just on the basis of this first story ian to me was seemed like like the hero not not the doctor um ian ian was the 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 leading actor essentially um he was the one that because wasn't there and and apologies if i've if i've got this wrong but i know that william hartnell occasionally would would take a little holiday in the middle of in the middle of these stories yeah i mean it's not just um william hartnell i mean all the lead acts used to regularly take holidays um and that happened all the way through Troughton's era as well. Yeah, they just they just sort of disappear um, for 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 an episode and then come back a week. Like they, they sort of get a, a knock on the head or or an end for the turret. So oh, they're sleeping it off somewhere. Um, right. And one, yeah. One, I mean one. Yeah. I mean one particular. <clears throat> so it was quite a um, an ingenious way of getting round it. Um, it was during, during Patrick Troughton's uh, time. It's it, there was one episode where um, Fraser Hines as Jamie. Um, he actually caught chicken pox. He wasn't available. He was ill, so they worked into the story so the so a different actor could play Jamie for one episode. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's um, clever. I won't, yeah, I won't spoil it for you in case you actually do get around to watching that particular story. But um, so he's, he's like he's like the the Jimmy Nichols of um, of the Doctor Who saga. He's like yes, um, indeed, <laughs> deputising for 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 one week only. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he said. Yeah, it, it was it was ingenious the way they did it. Um, but I think, and again, there wasn't any fancy special effects used. It was just a very, very you know ingenious solution um, to, to to get round his absence for the week. But uh, yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, Hartnell was always even in in his very last story, he was out yeah. of one episode, um, the Tenth Planet. So yes, so so I like the fact that I like the fact that Ian was. To, to me, and and uh, look, um, as you know, Phil, I I I didn't get a chance because of commitments and whatnot to rewatch hmm. it all. This you know, in preparation for for our conversation, but I, I I remember it clearly, and I just remember thinking that Ian seemed to be the most prominent character. Ian and Barbara were the most prominent characters, and yes. and to and to me, and if you'd not told me the name of this show, and and I went in completely cold with no sort of foreknowledge. Or preparation yeah and you said to me so who, who you know who, who are the leads then I'd, I'd have probably said ian and barbara and the other two were hmm, almost like secondary characters yeah i mean the interesting character was there to do that really i suppose you say the heavy lifting he did mm. all the action stuff um mm. which hartnell i mean hartnell did do a, a little bit you've you've watched things uh you've seen the romans i think it's what you mentioned earlier yes. before we've recorded yes. yeah and mm. he does his own little bit of uh fighting in that one william hartnell so when he you know when he was called upon he, he could do it um but obviously i think he, as, as the time went on his health suffered so you had people like you know um, william russell doing the action stuff and later peter purvis um doing doing the the, you know the action stuff as well so it's uh yeah, yeah so Pete, I, Peter I, Purvis I, yeah yeah I, I remember him turning up sorry to d- digress here that's all right that's all right but <clears throat> he turns up in a later story now I, I want to say it's the is it the web machines 
the war machines the war, oh, war, uh, no no that's um that's ben and polly that's a new character okay um, well, yeah, well that, that was, yeah you can cut this out phil there's an episode where um right. peter purvis plays an american tourist <laughs> yes the chase Yes. The Chase, okay. Ma- but, Ma- his character's name is Morton Dill. <laughs> okay, but does he not then, does Purvis not then turn up in the same story playing a different character or the he following story? Up, yeah, he turns up later in that story, I think it's a couple of episodes later, as Stephen Taylor. There you go. Uh, yeah. That blew my, that flipped my wig. I just couldn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there you know. There are countless actors who have reappeared in Doctor Who playing different characters. I mean, even into the new series as well. Um, yeah, but in the same you know, story. Not in the same. No, that is a first. <laughs> that is a first. <laughs> and look, I, I'm a I'm a big fan, as you know, of Peter Sellers, and I'm I'm prepared to accept Sellers playing multiple parts in the same film. But yeah, you know, this is different. <laughs> oh, that's different. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, though, I mean, you, I mean, you think about it. I mean, back in the day, you saw it that once. It wasn't repeated. You nobody had video records. You couldn't watch it again. So by the time two or three weeks have gone by, people have probably forgotten that Peter Poe has already been in the story. It's only True. it's only now that you can pause everything and, and you know inter- interrogate every single frame uh, that you can. You know, people. That's why people like to hit on Doctor Who a lot because they can freeze frame everything and oh, that's a mistake. Or, Did you see that wobble? And um, but back then, okay, you were watching on a very very small screen. It wasn't blown up in high definition or anything. People didn't see that at all. Um, I think I think it's now that people have got fairly, um, I kind of sort of fairly overly critical and unfairly so. I think of of Doctor Who or to to uh, 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 televisually savvy, maybe. Yes. I um, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Can Can I just make a well ask you a question? Actually, I'm sorry that Go we're on. sort of that's going right. all over the place, but you've been on my podcast. You know that um, I'm. <laughs> like a pinball just going <laughs> hitting against the wall with different topics yeah. and whatnot yeah one thing i did pick up on um because I, I love listening to podcasts as you know mm. and while i was going through the hartnell um viewings yes. you know, a couple of years back um i would occasionally just download random in fact i probably have downloaded this one at, at some point i just okay. would, would yeah. randomly so for example um the gunfighters which yes uh stayed with me <laughs> for some time <laughs> thank, thank you linda baron yes um but i remember that one particularly i i think i just downloaded maybe two or three random doctor who podcasts and there's quite a few yeah. doctor who podcasts out there i don't know if you know this um uh, I, i'm aware <laughs> um but the weird thing is that I've, you know, and I've probably downloaded over the years uh, 10, 15, 20 different episodes from different podcasts, right? You know, mm. um, I'd say the majority of them America, are American. And and that's all well and good. And, you know, that that's great. But I just wonder, to me, it's it's it it really makes me wonder how American Doctor Who fans regard the Hartnell era. Um, because list, the ones I've listen, listened to, they've been very generally quite reverential and quite, uh, res, you know, um, respectful, if you like, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and positive, more or less, positive, more or less, with a few quibbles. 
but it just makes me think god you know um it it must be crazy for americans to watch you know these 65 60 65 year old or what is it no 60 year old yeah <laughs> black and white grainy bbc television low budget low special effect budget shows and and enjoy them it just it just to me it seemed weird i don't know if you well yeah you know i mean, I mean I've, that. yeah no i do because i've um i think one of the the, the biggest sort of doc two podcast is radio free scaro which is um a canadian podcast right um and basically how they um and how a lot of people in north america got into doctor who was through public service television or public broadcast television, they call it, at a PBS. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. So they, they show sort of random shows um, from sort of from Britain, so Doctor Who being one of them, but they, you know, you know one, one minute you'll be watching a William Hartnell story, and then the next one, the show will be a Tom Baker. Then you'll go back to Patrick Trout, and they'll be all over the shop. So you never they never saw them in any particular order. Um, and I think that's why a lot of, a lot of, North Americans got into Doctor Who, eight because that was the only way they could do it, but because they then wanted to find more out about it because, as I say, they'd only see one Hartnell story for, for months on end and then they might show another one in a, in a couple of months and so they might disappear altogether and then come back again. And it was all, it was all very sort of, you know, um, slipshod, the way, the way they, they got yeah. to see them. I'm just, I was just thinking, you know, because these North Americans would be used to, even for that period, much slicker, tighter production values. So, you know, things like the Twilight Zone, and then yeah. get thing, you know, it, you know, the 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 Star Trek stuff like that. Um, hmm. Which I know was a few years later, but still. Whereas it's kind of like cardboard and string production values on early Doctor Who, isn't it? And um, it, it is, it, but that. There is something about Doctor Who though that I think has has got that rewatch value because it it's I think especially the early ones they weren't actually this particular story is trying to be um, this is quite sort of topical at the moment um, it's actually sort of raising environmental awareness really with mm. the uh, the use of insecticides um, and yes. sort of unscrupulous people who want to produce insecticides for, for for sale as well so you know purely for the money um which is what a lot of people do think it's uh that's what re- it really is it's all it's all you know pound pound size and dollar signs at the end of the day yeah. mm-hmm. um so you yeah, I mean doctor's always done that kind of thing but i think the um the earlier episodes weren't quite so much like that because it's, as you said there's historical episodes in there um and a lot of those historical episodes don't really have a, a sci-fi angle to it apart from the fact that they've arrived via the wonders of time travel mm-hmm. uh, but there's the, but there's no say things like the romans or the crusade or reign of terror are either which we mentioned earlier there's no like alien they're chasing they just get involved in history yeah and i think from that point of view doctor who doesn't really date whereas something like star trek does because it's the 1960s view of the future and they're also trying to reference it's all sort of like contemporary things that, like, I mean, that in the third series, do you remember those space hippies that that were in it? Um, oh yes, oh god, I forgot yeah. about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I find a lot of the original series of Star Trek unwatchable now. And I, I, I dare say, there's a plenty of people out there telling me to hand in my nerd badge right now. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I find a lot of it. I can't watch it. There's a couple of really good ones in there, but a lot of it. 
um, I can't watch now. So is Star Trek Next Generation as well. There's a lot of well, them nothing, I can't rewatch. Nothing again. dates. Nothing dates worse than um, TV or films trying to predict the future. Oh um, God, yeah. So with with that environmental um, angle, okay, it, it's it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot lots of characters in this story at all, is there? You, so you've got the the Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara. Then you've got um, Pharaoh from the Ministry. There's there was one thing about Doctor. There's always a man from the Ministry involved yeah. when, they, when they're con contemporary um, Earth stories, um, and you you've got the couple of um, evil scientists as well. Or, or so one side is one unscrupulous businessman, I should say. Yeah, so I think it's I mean the way they um, worked it, so they never actually met, did they at all? There, there was no, I suppose now that the the overwhelming thing to do now was were to be they would be captured in their small form, um, or for the cat to attack oh, them. Yes, but it yes, never so happened, did it? No, now this? that's a very good point because I believe that that. Well, am I right in thinking that the cat was had a bigger role <laughs> that was cut? Um, I think it did. Yes, yes. It, yeah, because apparently they they used they, they shot a lot of that on thirty five mil film mm. bowl accounts. So I don't know if it's meant to feature more in the last episodes that got sort of truncated. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the cat just sort of it was shown as a threat, and then I think at the end of episode one, yes, um, that's right, leading to episode two, and then just sort of quietly disappeared again didn't yeah, they yeah forget about that yeah you've you've forgotten about that cliffhanger ending folks haven't you so uh, yeah exactly. we'll say no more about that uh, <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of by the way um uh you've got children um i've got children and yep. i used to read when my children were younger i used to read the mr men stories to them yes and see the mr small or little miss tiny or one of the very little Mr. Men characters. I think it's Mr. Mm. Small. There's a yeah. scene. There's a there's a page in, in one of the, in the, in that story where I think you've got Miss, Mr. Small and there's a huge cat layering up behind him. Right. And, and that image when I saw when I watched um, Planet of Giants and saw the cat um, with the little inch high characters, it just made me immediately think of Mr. Small. I thought, oh, I wonder <laughs> if Roger Hargreaves 
<laughs> you know, that was lodged got, got in his, his idea back from, in his you, mind. You never know, yeah. do you? You yeah. never know. But uh, mm. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just weird how the cat just sort of disappears because that would have been a you would have thought that would have been the the main antagonist for for our inch eye heroes, really. <laughs> Yeah, but you are right. They don't engage with anyone directly, do they? Any of the other characters, no. any of the the, 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 the normal-sized humans? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's very strange, that. Very strange. But, there, I mean, there's a lot of, as I said, there's, there's a lot of, um, I said earlier, there's a lot of climbing up things, as, as you would expect in in this. Um, I mean, obviously, they climb the inside of a drain pipe um, at one point, which you, you never actually get to see, do you? Is There's a lot of... I can't put a description of what they're doing. There's a lot of tell but don't show in this story, mm. um, which mm. I'm assuming was for, was for budgetary reasons um, more, more than anything else. Um, yeah, but I think it works. I think it works. Do, do, do you know much about the the background to the making of the props, such as the large sink plug hole things like that? Do you know much in terms of you know um, was it? Was it, you know, sort of unprecedented, uh, unprecedented undertaking for the props department at that time to to make all that stuff? No, I don't think it was unprecedented. I just think it was sort of the. I think the usual thing with Doctor Who scripts is the it's the ambition of the scripts would be let down by the budget. Um, yeah. So I think so. I think a lot of the time they just had to be quite judicious with what they could actually show. And as you say, there's a, there's not a lot of show, but there's a lot of telling in this story. And I think that's why they couldn't, you know, obviously couldn't show everything supersized. So you've got things like the sink and you've got the briefcase, the box of matches, you know, the ant's eggs and the ant and, and the fly, uh, which the fly. actually were, were, were very well realised. Yes, they were. They were. I, I thought, actually. I really did think they were. Um, and that rather smooth-looking bumblebee that dropped out of the sky in the first yes. episode as well. So. <laughs> now, I, my memory is that... Now, is it Forrester who's... Or Farrow who's smoking at the in the first episode, who's got the matches? Yes. yes. Um, and he quite stagily, I felt, puts place, gingerly places the box of matches down in the middle of the lawn. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that was a bit a bit weird actually. Why would I'm not going to smoke this now? I should I should put these matches down here. It yes. was a, yeah. <laughs> Which was a stroke yeah. of luck for Ian. It was. Well, it was, sort wasn't of. it? Hmm. Sort of, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that 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 was a strange one. Um, but not only that, he left them by the lawn, then he put them down by his seat as well. Normally, you put them in your pocket, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm. You know, but uh, yeah, why he left everything on the lawn and then, then then again, put them down on the floor? That was uh, yeah, that was that. <laughs> that was strange. That was strange. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, it, it's all um, very very as you say. Luck wasn't it? It was a lot of luck played into this story for our uh, for our heroes. It really, really did. But uh, the one thing I did notice though about the um, the gun prop, it was it was a starting pistol that he uh, that he shot Farrow. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that did. Uh, yeah. I sort of looked. It's a very small pistol. Then when he sort of um, when he was later in, I think it was the second or third episode, he checked it to make you know, is it still loaded, and it was basically a little starting pistol he had. So. <laughs> So the, the, yeah, the, the budget wouldn't stretch to a to a full size gun. There you are, but, uh, and, right? And, and yeah, was he it's... was 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 Forrester planning on getting away with this by because because Farrow was going away 
on holiday on his own uh, on a boat, wasn't he, or something? And um, yes, that's right. Yeah. And and was Forrester then going to take the body and just dump it in the canal? And even though there's bullet holes, just say, well, he he drowned. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that that sort of didn't really add that because you had the you had the whole thing about the um, the report as well that um, Farrow was going to submit back to the ministry, mm. um, which for some reason, which, which could have just been, I don't know, destroyed rather than had to read it and and do the phone calls back to the office and all yes. that, which gave which basically gave the game away to a um, a, a, a sort of. A, a, a switchboard operator with extremely good hearing. Yes, actually. yes. <laughs> for a, for a lady that happened, age, happened to be a policeman. Yeah, a lady yeah. that age. Yes, a lady <laughs> of a certain age. Yes, mm. but uh, yeah. But it's that, it's that old thing about. Um, actually, it was. I, I've forgotten about the whole handkerchief across the mouthpiece to disguise his voice, which um, normally works in those kinds of in, in films and television. But in this case, it didn't, which I thought was quite refreshing. Have you tried it? To be honest, have you ever tried it? Do you know what? I never have. I don't know how just holding a bit of cloth over a mouthpiece can disguise your voice. (laughs) Really, (laughs) apart from sounding muffled, that's about it. No, there's an episode of Columbo uh, where um, I mean, the the whole point of of doing that is is that you put the handkerchief over the over the mouthpiece, but you at least make some effort to alter your voice. You know, there's an episode hmm. of Columbo where the villain, um, who's got a very theatrical voice, very, very distinctive <laughs> voice, all he does is just put this little thin little bit of handkerchief over the mouthpiece and just speaks normally. Um, but we are, but, 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 you know, we, we, we have to assume that, um, uh, that it, 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 it distorts the voice sufficiently that he's not going to be rumbled, you know, but, um, oh dear. Do, yeah. do you know what, though? This is this, this story. It's almost like an episode of Columbo, to a certain. Okay, put put the the shrinking <laughs> put to one side mm-hmm. for a moment. But that you know who commits the murder. Yes. Yes. And then you're then you're watching him to try and sort of wait to sort of cover his tracks, and then you've got the heroes who are then trying to expose who the murderer is. Well, that's true. That's really. true. So yeah, it, it's. Yeah, in a in a that I know that's a probably a leap of faith for a lot of people. <laughs> well, you haven't, yeah, but you haven't got um, the doctor talking about his wife at home, who's um, you know <clears throat> always making meatballs. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> and he's not driving a beaten up old TARDIS, is he? <laughs> no, well, it kind of is beat up actually. <laughs> yeah. but, oh, uh, on no, that actually, on that, yeah, at the beginning of the of the episode. Um, the the right. What causes this whole shrinkage is the door malfunctions or something? Is that right? Well, yeah. Apparently, it's the um, the inrush of space causes them to to shrink. Now, I know right at the very end of the episode to to resize themselves, they have to recreate the exact conditions that led them to shrink. Basically, reverse it. Um, but one thing I noticed though, they didn't actually have the doors open. So it right. wasn't. A, I don't know. So I don't. I'm not entirely sure how they managed to resize themselves again. Oh god! Because right. that fault, that fault locator thing, played a, a quite a, a big part 
in Hartnell's tenure in the TARDIS. And it, it gradually got phased out as it, as it went along. Um, but this is still sort of quite early in sort of Hartnell's role. So this, is, this is the beginning of his second series. So, yeah, so that anything that was wrong with the TARDIS, they went and looked at the fault locator. Um, okay. Which in, which in the end didn't actually point them in any particular direction, really, because it just... Oh, they couldn't find anything wrong afterwards, even though they quite clearly something was was up with the TARDIS. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just sort of like a bit of a con- convenient sort of plot device when it needed to be. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think. What do you think of the? Because um, there were some things in this sort of going back to the oversized props, the the whole lifting up the telephone and putting the corks under the, under the the uh, yeah that was the good. handset. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, really good. Yeah, I thought it was quite sort of quite well done. Um, the the lock on the briefcase I thought was well done. Yes, as well yeah. actually. Um, I don't know whether we've been able to have moved it on his own like that, but good job he didn't lock it. So I'm going to say no, no. Again, again, sort of um, coincidence or or happy happenstance more than anything. Um, oh yeah, it that, was. The thing, thing that sticks in my mind particularly is so Barbara almost dies, doesn't she? Yes, but she doesn't let on that anything's wrong anything's wrong no no which is why why is that i don't know i'd i'd forgotten all about that it's been a while since i last watched um planet of giants and i'm watching it again the other day i just i i I didn't remember that part of the plot whatsoever and i can't quite figure out why she didn't tell anybody i don't know she didn't want to worry people or I really don't know. I honestly no. don't know why she she didn't say anything. Um, I don't know. It was just to um, add a little bit of tension in there because it, it was kind of lacking tension a little well, bit. This story wasn't it? She's of that generation that um, you know, yeah, like you say, uh, you know, mustn't grumble. Don't want to upset anybody. Don't want to uh, don't cause make a fuss. fuss. Don't make a fuss. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was that. Again, I I never really got a definitive answer to this question through watching the 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 Ian and Barbara episodes that I saw. Was hmm. there meant to be, or or was there the su- suggestion at all that there was something more between them than just a, a professional friendship, if you like? Not explicitly, no. Uh, I think that the I think that in their last story, the chase, that's when they 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 exit. Um, hmm. Doctor Who, and they get back to sort of back back to nineteen sixties Britain again. I think it's almost it's sort of like you know the, the 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 way they interact again with sort of contemporary London. It's all done in in stills, different mm-hmm. different landmarks and 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 things yep. like that. Just sort of and the problem just sort of mucking about, and it's like watching a a couple really. So I think I I think you're supposed to assume that when they get back, they sort of stick together. Uh, once they get back to London, but there was no direct romantic overtones um, at all. Yeah, because I I watched. Well, I sort of raised an eyebrow during the Romans because there is a sequence where they're alone together. Is it at the villa? Yes. Uh, and I and I I was watching that, and and you know, it's the sort of mind I've got perhaps in the gutter. I was I was <laughs> I was imagining things, uh, you know. Um, things going on um and i mentioned it to my friend and he was uh, he was absolutely disgusted and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, put me put me right in my place and told me to stop being a, 
uh, muddle-headed idiot, you know, um, because there's clearly nothing going on between Ian and Barbara. So, uh... <laughs> well, do you know that in the Romans they they have got quite a playful relationship with each other? Because I think that what what that story doesn't really get across is the the, the time they they spend apart, um, Ian and Barbara from Doctor and the Doctor and Vicky, is some months. So they just spend their time lazing around this village till they get captured by the slave traders, and and that, that's where the sort of story really sort of, you know goes off in that direction. Mm. Um, but it's almost written like a comedy, and and Dennis Spooner, who was the script editor, I think he wrote the Romans, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that makes um, yeah that rings a bell. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know because he did things like Random Hotcut Deceased yeah. and mm. Man in the Suitcase, and he's probably more known for his ITC programs than. Yeah. Um, than Doctor Who, really, but but no, he did bring in a, a, a more of a, a comedy angle to to, to Doctor Who, certainly. Um, but then it say it's like the um, this particular story. It's the same with the Romans as well. The last sort of episode, it goes incredibly violent in the Romans. Everybody dies basically. Yes, um, and Nero goes mad. Where he's played predominantly as a character, sort of comedy character by Derek Francis to begin with, and then it just he descends into sort of a murderous intent and it's mm. the same in this story as well with with the heater of of the um aerosol canister yes which yes. then blows up in in forrester's face that's right that's right almost cartoonish sort of um yeah now, now i thought have they because I, again i couldn't remember what actually what happened i thought are they really blinded the character here they just he's a little cut under his cheek but the way he goes down it's like my god they blinded him because it does go for the fair old pop <laughs> that aerosol can, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 is that again from memory here? Is that, is that the sort of the closest that the the two sets of characters got yeah. to engaging with each other? I think it probably it is was. really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they sort of do a bit of sort of hiding when they. I think that's it, though, isn't it? They they hide mm. um, when they both whilst they're waiting for the the canister to explode. Basically, but then you get the policeman turns up at exactly that moment as well. So, yeah, yeah. that's uh, yeah, very circumstantial. But uh, yeah, it's um, I, I I know they on the the DVD of this story they have actually recreated um the the fourth story or the fourth episode. Sorry, by re- right. by reusing existing footage, but putting the original dialogue over the top of it and it kind of works it kind of works but you've got um william russell and and carolyn Fuller back to voice their characters again and this was some years ago now i can't remember when the dvd came out it's probably about 10 years ago now i would have thought and then you've got other actors impersonating william william hartnell and um and uh barbara uh sorry jacqueline hill as well so who's no longer with us either so um yeah it, it's it's a brave attempt it really is a brave attempt to, to try and sort of bring it back to its original okay. its original format sorry i'm just trying to work that so what so what you're saying is so they, they used existing footage from the the three existing episodes the three existing stories. Okay. yeah yeah and what about the mouths moving to deliver the dialogue well, that, that that that's that's what i say it kind of works right Okay. It kind of works, yeah, because it, it's it's of. Do you know what? It's almost like watching a dubbed film, right? It's okay. the only way yeah, I can yeah, describe yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, this yeah, is it's, what it's an interesting experiment. <laughs> yeah, this is what fascinates me about the the degrees of fandom or enthusiasm, yeah. and and I'm not knocking it by the way at all. I'm not knocking it. It just it fascinates me that it was seen as that that sort of because that must have taken a while to do that, and and the 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 resources and the logistics and the the time needed. Just to do that, which is essentially a DVD extra, and it must yeah. have, obviously it, they must have realised that it 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 would have appeal. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. It just fascinates me that um, that Doctor Who. I, I I'm just trying to think. Is there a? I mean, okay, the Beatles. I mean, in terms of a a, a, a pop cultural icon, mm. if you like, if you want to call it that, that would have such appeal that such projects would be seen as viable. Uh, yeah. I can't think of many others, you know, I can't think of many. No, other. No, no, sort of... there is. I mean, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're aware of all the, um, cause obviously the BBC junked, um, a load of episodes of, of you know, sometimes, in, you know, complete stories have, have gone missing. Yes. And yes. some of them have been, have been, have been tracked down through different, Sort of parts of the world, you know, parts of the world and everything. Um, but we've now also got the animated mm. stories where they've animated missing episodes or, or entire stories as well. Um, and we've had them for a, a number of years now. Um, and it's got to the point where they used to just animate the missing episodes, but now they seem, and, and then, then when it's released on DVD, so you have what's left the surviving episodes as they were, and then you've got the missing ones are animated. But now they seem to do the whole story as animated and then the, the surviving footage is almost like an extra. It's, 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 oh. some, but it's not, but it's not consistent though. That that's the weird that, and even some of the animation is not consistent either. They seem to go to different, different animation houses. Um, right. So it's, um, but I think that the hope is that eventually we'll have all, all episodes of Doctor Who to watch in some format, because you've got the, the reconstruction version using surviving stills and the, and the surviving audio, um, which, to be honest, I've never watched. I, I can't get on with them at all, just mm. watching stills, and, and it's repeated stills as well, because they haven't got a lot to, to, to play with. Yeah, I saw one, you know. of the, one, of those, one of those stories that I watched. I can't think which one it was. Um... It had a one of the episodes was missing, so they just had the but they had the audio, so they had stills, and yeah. and the only thing I can remember is that the, there was a, an actress in that episode who who subsequently became very famous, and I can't think who it was. Oh, it's going to bo uh, bother me. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's quite uh, very stilted, obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, do you think? And again, I'm sorry. Again, we, you know, we've sort of gone off the res again here. But what's right. the, what is the likelihood in the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years of of any lost Who footage coming to light? Do you think? Well, we 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 keep having these rumours going around. I think it's huge. I think it's, I think sometimes a lot of people just start them for fun more than anything else, just to get people's hopes up. Because um, originally there were ninety seven episodes that were wiped from the archives because because the videotape was too expensive to yeah. um to keep so they just had to you know reuse it mm. so 
I, I, there's always these things of they sort of track it down. I think some people say, yeah, someone's got it in their collection but won't release it. Um, mm. like episodes like the William Hartnell's last um, episode um, from from the Tenth Planet he's, he's, when he regenerated. Um, that's that's missing. That's only in, you can only watch that in animated form now yeah. as well. But but there's always these rumours going around that oh someone's sitting on them or oh, they found them. Um, old on the, are they found? But the BBC are holding them back, and there's always sort of you know that that instant internet anger that that starts yes. with these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know even if they had found them, who's to say they're in any you know condition to actually transfer them? You know, because they've got to be played back on old video machines. They you know it's not True. like you know and they what what state and condition have they been stored in? Yeah, because as we all know, that that kind of tape will just degrade over time and yeah. just will just yeah. crumble, won't it? I mean, you know, it's just sort of like the. That's why people went through that phase of getting their old cine films transferred to to video, mm-hmm. um, but back in the day, because you know the projectors were getting to wear out, and and the and your cine films were getting to crumble and and wear out and snap and God knows what. So, and it's the same thing for these that you know I think people just got this thing about. They find them in, in absolutely mint condition, and there's a lot of work goes into restoring them. There, there really is, mm. um, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, and again, time and money, really. Mm. You know, that, that, that's the thing. So I personally don't think we're going to see every single episode, or not many more episodes re- returned to us. I, I think I think we've had it now. I be bet though. I bet though. If someone came along, if someone went online and said, "I have all of Marco Polo," okay, in yeah. pristine condition, and here's a clip, and just shares like a thirty second clip. It's never been seen before. I'm saying Marco mm. Polo, thinking that is a missing story. Am I correct in that? I think I am. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yes. If someone, if someone said, "I have." You know, I, I have it here and it's it's in good quality and um, the bidding starts at, you know, 100 Gs or whatever. Do you think mm. that surely that person would be sitting on a fortune there? There would, there would be a, a collective uh, effort to secure that by, I'm sure there's very wealthy Doctor Who fans all around the world. <laughs> well, it, 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 it all depends really because the people who, who track these these episodes down they have sometimes they go to very dangerous parts of the world um, right. to do so um and it's all off their own back as well they're not really being you know funded to a, to a great degree to to um to go and track this stuff down. and it's not just doctor who it, they track down all kinds of yeah. um television as well um sort of missing i think we've had like um Walkable wise um shaft it one, one was was re- returned from I don't know. I think it was something like Dubai or, or um, Lagos or some something like that. You know, mm. so it's mm. uh, you know they're 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 pretty like the same with you know you discuss on on Goon Pods where they you know the um, the, tra- the transcription service versions of um, yes. of Goon shows used to used to go out. It was the same thing with Doctor Who that they they, they you know copies would be sent out yeah. to you know to various far flung corners of, of the globe. Where it's to do with it, like the Commonwealth or or, or what was left of the the Empire, the Empire or whatever yep. it might have been. Yeah, yep. you know, yeah, it's, it's the same sort of thing. Um, but that's why you know they're they're not stored in great con, you know in great conditions. They could be in some hot building sure. somewhere or, or a dusty old vault or you know it's, it's certainly not airtight conditions that would preserve 
Yes. So you know the the, the film. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit hit. So again, I think if somebody wants to make money out of it, I, I, I'm a complete novice when it comes to this. Maybe more learned people will know better, but I don't think they've got a lot of money to bargain with. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> See, I find I find all that fascinating, really fascinating. Oh, it you is. Know, yeah. If 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 only. The, the, and I appreciate, you know, it cost. It was costly back in the sixties. Uh, mm. But if only there'd been a, a sort of more um, intuitive or forward-thinking people had mm. sort of within the BBC and said, "Okay, we're not going to, we're going to somehow or other." And I know that it, it it would have been a bit of a nightmare. But in somehow or other, they they'd been able to to maintain and retain all the big shows anyway, as in yeah. you know the popular all the episodes of all the popular shows, not the ones that, you know, get one series and never, never seen again necessarily, but the popular shows, mm. um, if they just retain those, um, you wouldn't be having these people risking life and limb traveling no. to these. Uh, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's just, it's just that I think just the BBC at the time, really, obviously, you know, nobody has, you know, even thought about, you know, the home video market. Yeah, and you know, let alone DVDs and, and Blu-rays and everything. But um, I think that was just the attitude. They just thought well, no one's going to ever want to watch this again, and and then just wiped it. And it's not, you know, it's not just Doctor. It's, it's the big shows. Like, as I said like more Wise, even like Dad's Army has got missing episodes. Um, I mean, Steptoe and Son did for a while as well. Yeah, they um, they did. They've got them all now. Albeit, there's a few that are fairly ropey quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, there's, I think, is it? I'm not sure which series. It's series six, which went out in color, but they've only got all but one is, um, is a black and white copy. Black and white, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So it's um, yeah. The decision making behind the to reusing the tapes, it, it didn't seem to have any particular pattern. It was just very sort of scatter shot, really. That's why you know. Um, my sort of speciality, if you like, or, or the, the the subject of my podcast, which is the goon show and the goons themselves, mm. um, there's precious little in the way of pre-series four goon shows uh, exist. Mm, there's there's, right. a, there's yeah. about two and a half, maybe three episodes from the first three series, and and those are in pretty poor quality they, they, those were recorded you know by back in the back when they went out in the early 50s by somebody putting a microphone up to a radio speaker and just recording it yeah and and yeah. you'd hear you'd hear the you know the the mum setting the table in the background and <laughs> telling them to go and wash well, their hands or whatever you know yeah um, you know, it, it, it's funny because that's how a lot of doctor who audio survives it's just through someone sitting with a microphone in front of their television. That's how they're able to do the animations now. Because that um that audio is taken from, from someone's tape recorder. Right. That yep. they've kept all these years. So it's yeah, it's exactly the same sort of sort of dedication really for, for like the Goon fans were sitting there recording. You know, as you say with the microphone directly in front of the radio speaker. It's exactly the same with Doc Two fans doing that with the in front of the T V speaker. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah it's I mean, thank God for them. That's what I'm going to say. It's yeah. just a shame that not more of the goon shows sort well, of survived. 
like that, you know. There's, there's, they haven't unearthed any missing goon shows for really decades. Mm. Let's say they've they've restored, they've managed to find stuff that had been cut from transcription service edits. So they've managed to restore yes. goon shows, yeah, um, to their sort of full length. But in terms of actual pre-series, I mean, series four, a lot of them are missing and 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 whatnot. But any sort of pre 1954 shows shall we say there haven't been yeah. any found and again like you say um they weren't you know they, they were recorded on disc at the time um mm-hmm. the chances of finding any that have been recorded from you know home recorded that are still in any playable quality are null i'd say just you know fairly fairly unlikely yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate. It's looking that way now, isn't it? Um, mm. I, I think I think people still still hold out hope that the, this missing stuff's going to be returned, no matter what it is. Um, whether you say it's, it's a goon show or Doctor Who or you know whatever. Whereas I yeah. think there's there's still that hope that one day, you know, someone's gonna there's going to be a like a, a a loft find or a garage find or something. You know, it's um, you know they, they're gonna unearth. All this lovely missing material uh, from their favourite radio show or TV show, but I think the the more the years roll by, the less likely yeah. that's going to be. And if they do find something, the condition of it's going to be so poor, you know, it's too late really mm. to, to to save it, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, so just I, I think. We really have digressed on this one, haven't we? Actually. Sorry, I tend to do that. <laughs> no, that's that. fine. No, that's fine. It's fine. It's it's all part of the all part of the conversation. As I was concerned, um, I think just want to just sort of try and sort of swim back a to sort of the audio side of things because this um, of, of Planet of Giants because this is a uh, one of the firsts um, for this was the um, this was regular Doctor Who composer Dudley Simpson. Um, this was his first contribution to Doctor Who. Okay. Um, for this story um, now Dudley Simpson he went right through right up until 1980 um, submitting scores uh, for, for, uh, for Doctor Who but not only I mean not only that he did Blake Seven uh, the Tomorrow People theme tune he, he composed as well so, yes yeah. I love that theme yes yeah mm. yeah um, that, that's um, that, that was the one thing that did scare me when I was a kid it was the theme tune and the opening titles to the Tomorrow People um, Doctor Who never scared me when I was a kid. It was the Tomorrow People that did. I mean, watch it now. Yeah. It's, it's um, the, the show itself. It's cheaper than Doctor Who. It, it really is. <laughs> but the but the opening titles though used to scare the hell out of me. I did actually run out of the room when they came on. I, it was the yeah. hands coming towards the screen. That's that's what used to scare me. I can so, remember the music, the theme, the, the theme tune. Yes. I can't remember the show itself. Uh and, and as I say, I, I mean, I watched, you know, I when I was growing up, I watched loads of um, kids, you know, television shows designed for kids. The only show that yeah. scared the bejesus out of me was a, a Kiwi, a, a New Zealand produced kids program, mm. um, which was called, um, oh God, what was it called? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, Under the Mountain. And it was from okay. about from yeah. about 1981, 82 maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it was, and it was basically it had these kind of like these these creatures that sort of these swamp creatures that sort of 
emerged slowly out of the water, a bit like the Dalek in the first episode of Dalek Invasion Earth Invasion coming Earth. out of the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'd have these sort of these 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 green, slimy creatures emerging from the water, um, and these children obviously were involved. Um, that's the only that, that sticks in my mind as as terrifying me. Um, but uh, you, you know and obviously i would have seen as i say i, I saw bits of Doc, tom baker doctor who but I, so I, mm. you know you, you sort of absorb it because it's so ubiquitous and so i would have absorbed the daleks if you know what i mean and seen the daleks yeah. at the time yeah. i don't remember being i don't i never did this thing where you go and run behind the couch when they're on no i, I, never, I never did, did that no, no 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 i always been to think but that's actually a myth actually the whole run it's hiding behind the couch is mm. uh you know, I've never known I've never known anyone to actually do that. But uh, yeah. Um, now the the other thing I was going to say is one of the, one of the other firsts um, for this was uh, the director of episodes three and four, Douglas Camfield, who I think was really just sort of a, like a um, a production assistant um, first of all. And this is his first directing gig. Right now, he ought to say we also directed the Time Meddler um, as well. Oh, yeah. But then he went on to to uh, later direct two absolute classics of Doctor Who. Uh, one is Terror of the Zygons, the next is The Seas of Doom, um, which we recently covered on this very podcast, actually. It's taken us nearly 11 years to get around to talk about The Seas of Doom, um, which is an absolutely fantastic Doctor Who story. And if you've never seen that one, Tyler, I would say one thing to take away from this is to go and watch that if you can, um, because it's probably, how can I put it, it's probably the most Avengers-like Doctor Who story you're ever likely to to watch. Right. When you say Avengers, are you talking Marvel Avengers? Are you talking uh, Eddie Izzard talk- Avengers, or are I'm- you talking Patrick McNeil? I'm talking about the 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 proper Avengers, the John, okay. the, the Steed and Emma Peel Avengers okay. from the sixties. Yeah. Oh no, not not the not that Marvel rubbish. No. <laughs> and not the one with um, Ray Fiennes. And, no, um, no, not okay. and and, uh, <laughs> and Sean Connery just as a giant teddy bear. No, not, <laughs> no, no, not that rubbish either. <laughs> okay. So what was it Seeds no. of Seeds of Doom? Seeds of Doom. Se- it's, seeds it's, of doom seeds seeds right okay. the seeds of doom yeah okay. um yeah and which, which doctor uh, is that that's tom baker okay yeah th- this is golden era doctor and golden era tom baker as well actually right. so that that's that's why i would say go and watch it and it's done deadly serious uh, um, as well it's it, it's a fantastic story okay okay a fantastic story so yeah i would uh that's my yeah, homework I, that's your homework. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and also, I'd say one last thing. Actually, the writer, the Louis um, Louis Marx, um, he wanted to, to contribute to some other um, Doctor Who stories as well. Actually, Day of the Daleks, which was a John Pertwee um, story, which actually didn't actually feature Daleks to begin with. Uh, it was something completely different. Um, and then for Tom Baker, also wrote Planet of Evil and The Mask of Mandragora. So that that was his that was his last script. Uh, for Doctor Who, so it's uh, we, which I think we're, we're um, a bit more successful <laughs> than this one. They didn't get truncated down to three episodes, put it that way. Yeah, and and then, look, this episode, as I say, it was it was a nice way for a way in for me to yes to 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 the show. Um, yes, it not a lot happened, but but that was helpful. I mean, I'm you know I I am capable of following. A complex plot don't get me wrong um but mm. it, you know it helped me to kind of um get to know as i say get to know the characters um as i say susan 
I don't remember if, if she screamed as much in this as she did in the following story, but she just seemed to spend, whenever I see Susan, my what I associate with Susan is sort of constant screaming um, or being in some some form of peril. Um, um, is well, that fair? Yeah, I, I say screaming, I'll, I'll look grandfather or twisting her ankle, which was another. But I think that, that I think... Um, Female characters in 1960s Avengers stories did a lot of twisting of ankles because it was Barbara's turn in Planet of the Giants, wasn't it? She uh, she fell over yes, and yes. bashed her shin. Yes. 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 <laughs> but but, but yeah, again, that, but what I what I saw what I've seen of Barbara is that she you know she wasn't she was she wasn't a meek she wasn't a um, submissive character. She wasn't oh no, submissive not at all. Uh, not she at all. she was quite um, single minded, quite quite a strong character. She will actually. If you've never seen uh, another William Hartnell story, there's another bit of homework for you, Tyler. Um, mm. Is the Aztecs? Oh, is that series that, one? Is it? Yes, and that's very much a um, a Barbara centric story. Okay. That one. Okay. Yeah, it's pure. It's not, that obviously from its title, it's, it's a, a historical story. But yeah, she butts heads with the Doctor in this one. And it shows that very strong-willed side to her, but it is a very—I I actually really enjoy um, the Aztecs. For, okay. Uh, um, yeah, it's—it's. It's, I think it's a cracking story. I really okay. do. So I, I recommend that one to you as well. So Tyler, thank you so much for um, for, for joining us today. It was really, really enjoyable. Um, I, ho- I hope you did enjoy it as well. Oh um, yes, yes, thank you. We, we, yes. we discussed we discussed absolutely everything. It was it was, uh, <laughs> it, was it was lovely. Um, but before we wrap up, would you like to tell everybody where they can find uh, Goonpod? Yes, it is available um, at all good podcast shops for free. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Uh, Stitcher, usual usual places. Um, it is, I would say that it is, it, it will have an appeal to anyone who likes British comedy generally. You don't necessarily have to like or even heard the goons per se, because very often, you know, we've tackled uh, topics where we've just talked about um, British comedy in general, uh, British pop culture from, you know, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, even up to present day. Um, because you know the goons, and and particularly Spike Milligan's fingerprints are all over sort of subsequent comedy that that you know developed from the sixties onwards, even up to present day. Um, and I've had guests, fantastic guests, such as uh, Phil, <laughs> um, yes. and, <laughs> and 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 no, many no, others. Off, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, please, as I say, if 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 it is something, if if you're into British comedy and particularly, you know, um, slightly older British comedy, then, you know, uh, cock an ear to it and, uh, and see if you like it, because it's not it, it, like, just like this podcast, I, I, we don't take, I don't take it too seriously. I am serious about, you know, <laughs> we're not just taking the mick. It's not about saying, Oh God, that's so old or that didn't work or, or slagging it off or anything like that. But um, it is, it is fairly loose as well. And, and and there's plenty of opportunities to uh, to go off and, and talk about all sorts of different uh, different things in different areas. That's it. Thank you very much. Yes, and I say it is a very very worthwhile listen. As, as I say, as Tyler said, it's not just the goons; it's everything to do with British comedy, sort of, you know, from decades past. So it, it's really worth listening. And there's some fantastic guests on there as well. Um, so it's uh, it really is worth your while listening to. So go and seek it out. So Tyler. 
we'll wrap this up now. So thank you, thank you so thank you so much for joining us. And um, hopefully, when you've done your homework, you may you may come back on one one day and talk about those stories. I'll come back and talk about um, uh, the Aztecs. Uh, or yes. um, oh, you've already done um, Seed of Doom, haven't you? Seed, Seed of, Doom. of Doom, but that, yeah. it doesn't matter. Get, let's get. We might maybe we'll get another take on it. Who knows? But All right. <laughs> thank you, Phil. Excellent. Thanks very much, Tyler. Cheers, thank man. you. Thanks for listening. If you don't want to miss a show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and if you have time, leave us a quick review also. You can also subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts or Amazon Music and don't forget to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to leave us feedback, you can do this through Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast and also through the Who's He Podcast Facebook group. You can find all of these links on our website who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.